0: This week's episode of Enchanted Tiki Talk is brought to you by Kingdom Strollers. Kingdom Strollers provides premium stroller and crib rentals delivered straight to your Disney Orlando resort, hotel, or vacation home free of charge. You choose the time of delivery and pickup, and we do the rest. It couldn't be easier. Book your Kingdom Stroller rental today by visiting KingdomStrollers.com or call 407-271-5301. And now, ladies and gentlemen,
1: we have something really big for you. Yeah. The birds stand
2: still, and the tiki room flies away! Mon ami, quit talking while I'm interrupting. Ladies and gentlemen, now we present direct from the islands, a musical luau! This is episode 103.5. Hello and welcome to Enchanted Tiki Talk. This is a very important, exciting episode of Enchanted Tiki Talk this week. Because this is the first time we are actually live, literally live, recording... The three of us together. We are in my car, going to grab a bite to eat, but we're going to talk about you know our trip here at Comic Con 2015 in New York City. So, uh, first of all, um, Alan. Hello. How are you, man? I can't believe that you're actually here with us. This is awesome.
3: Yeah, it's pretty cool. To, uh, we finally got to, uh, we, we all finally got together. That's you know, it's a long time in the making. Two years in the making.
2: I know, I can't believe it's really strange to actually be doing a podcast, you know, with all three of us together. So, this is a little weird, you know, at first. So, um, and to literally to my right here um, is Keith.
1: Hey, everybody. I've walked way too many steps today. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, it's been really, really fun. We've got some exciting uh, things to, you know, a review for everybody. So um, it's the end of day two. of now, so still have one more day left, and it's been a blast.
3: Yeah, it really has been. I uh, I wasn't sure how I was gonna, how much I would enjoy it. I mean, I knew I'd get, uh, I'd enjoy getting to hang out with Sean and Keith, but you know, I'm probably the least um, geeky. <laughs> well, I wasn't gonna say that, <laughs> but in terms of comic book fandom, I mean, that's I'm, I'm easily the the least of a fan of comic books of the three of us. Uh, so I was just kind of coming in to experience it, people watch, but it's actually been a whole lot more fun than I really thought I would have. I've I've really enjoyed it. It's 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 been an experience, but it's been a lot of fun.
2: Yeah. So let's go ahead and start. We'll start with day one here, um, which was actually Thursday. First, I don't even know what day it is anymore, but th- Thursday. We'll start there. So uh, initially, we we got on the bus going into uh, into the city. Um, we were like an hour behind because of the amount of traffic that we hit but we finally made it to Comic Con and it was, you know, pretty exciting you know <laughs> the first day is always the usually the most exciting day because um, everything is fresh and new, everything smells nice and clean, all geeky clean <laughs> well,
3: nothing in New York smells fresh and clean Let's, let me go ahead and be clear about that no offense to y'all from uh, New York
2: but um, you know, on our first day You know, the whole idea of of us going to Cometon is trying to cover as much Disney as we possibly could. So, uh, you know, we're trying to uh, meet cosplayers who are dressed up. You know, that's our our goal there. And, and, you know, see other things along those lines. So that's initially what we started out doing is, you know, getting pictures and video of uh, cosplayers. So uh, we saw a few the first day. Um, I know, um, Alan, you were impressed by quite a few costumes. This is your first, like, cosplay event.
3: Yeah, there were a lot, uh, you know, some people are, you know, they're just kind of wearing, you know, I've got on black jeans and a black coat, so that's my costume, and, and that's great. They're trying, and, and that I, you know, give them props for that, uh, but some people are really, really uh, dedicated to the art of cosplay, and I'm not just talking about the ones who have booths who are like, you know, quote-unquote professional cosplayers, but even just regular people that were... You know, really put a lot of time and effort into their costumes. I was really impressed with that.
1: Issue two, like all four days, are sold out. Uh, So the amount people for a Thursday for this Comic Con was huge. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of people. There were just people everywhere. It's hard to walk around. Uh, It's hard to really, you know, like stop and see stuff. One of my favorite spots at Comic-Con is Artist Alley. It's just a bunch of tables with the, you know, comic book artists and writers and creators and stuff, and we uh, talked with, you know, a few of them. Uh, it's done some, you know, uh, like Disney and Marvel and Star Wars stuff, like Jim Zub, in front of the show, and a Figment series. That's real fun for me to actually uh, talk to the these people who are in charge of making, you know, these amazing stories and comic books.
2: So I'm going to go ahead and play the uh, the interview that we had with Jim Zub. It's only, only a couple minutes long, so I'm going to play that now for you. Alright, we're talking with Jim Zub, creator of uh, the Figment comic. Yeah, part two now has yeah, come out. Yes, doing a sequel. It's
4: incredible to me. And that the whole thing with the sequel is really because of the fans, because of people like you who love Figment, who love Disney World, and have shown support for the
2: series. So uh, with the success of the first series and now you're going to the second series now, yeah. how is it playing out? Is it, uh, It's going really well. Yeah, yeah, it's been amazing. The response has been great. The good
4: thing is now the comic retailers know that this is a series that people want. So the orders are really strong and people are excited about it. Yeah, Marvel's really, really happy with it. And the Disney Imagineering team has been thrilled. It's been really good. Have you felt added pressure during the second round? Um, it is a little different. Yeah, the first time you know I finished writing the series just as they were announcing it. So for me, it was kind of a done deal by the time people were getting excited. This time, we kind of knew going in there was going to be more, I guess, pressure. But I don't know. I, I, I really love working on this series, and it feels very comfortable. So I kind of got into a good groove on it. I didn't feel – I don't think it compromised me in any way Or I was like, uh-oh, what will the fans say or anything right. like that. It was more about, okay, just want to keep that momentum going. And you always want to do something – that works really well, but is not so expected that we were like, oh, that's exactly what I thought right. would happen. I always want to give it a little bit of a twist or give people something they weren't
2: quite, you know, expecting, but once they read it, they go, oh, that's totally right. appropriate. Right, Yeah. So how did you come up with the the, uh, the new idea for the second uh, series? Um,
4: in the original pitch I had for the first Figment, there were some story kind of elements that I threw in there just as brainstorming and they didn't end up fitting. So we used a few of those story points and they kind of expanded upon them. You know, from the get-go, at the end of the first story when Dreamfinder and Figment uh, disappear and then they see, spoilers, that at the end of the first series, they see, uh, you know, the Epcot Center and everything else. We were like, if we did a sequel, they would have to be in the modern world. And so that was kind of, the groundwork was already laid there. And so we had already last year at this show hilariously bill roseman and i the editor on the original pigment series already started talking about what we would do for it and we sat down here at the show we went off to one of the lounge areas and just kind of we were chatting back and forth and said i think they want to do a sequel right do you know what you do i said well they're going to be in the modern world and we do it like this and i'd love to Oh, I don't want to spoil stuff. Issue 2's not out yet. <laughs> I almost just said a whole bunch of story stuff. See, I just finished writing 5 okay. two weeks ago. So for me, it's all done again. So for you guys, Issue 2 comes yeah. out next, next week. Next week, right. So it's like I almost said just end stuff, blam. <laughs> uh, so that, that girl, uh, Capri, who shows up at the start of Issue 1 of the second series, she obviously has a big role to play. Right. And so she was really at the heart of kind of the new idea, you know, bringing... A new character into it to sort of show an outside point of view of you know the legacy of imagination which is what the sort of subtitle for the series is so it's like figment 2 the legacy of imagination what effect has *Dreamfinder* and figment had you know on the modern world and they're these living legends who have they inspired and and what comes next yeah so should we expect any major surprises in the next few books coming out uh, yeah actually issue two's got the big big surprise so there's a a new villain and the way we introduce them and how that all plays together, I'm really excited about. Is this like an official Disney villain? It, <laughs> Is it
3: Bob Iger. Well, I <laughs> I, what? I can't say that.
4: Uh, no, it's been really cool. Yeah, okay. it's a really fun idea. And I, when I threw it out there, I'm like, I wonder if they'll go for this. And uh, they really dug in. I'm, you know, I've been really happy working with the Disney team. Every time I think they're going to be like, oh, corporate oversight, they've been actually amazing about... Oh that's a wonderful idea. How can we take it further or what, you know, what does that mean in right. terms of the overall? So we just got a great working relationship. And that sounds really corny because you expect like the giant kind of iron hand of corporate whatever to come down. And on the first series I kept expecting that too. Like every time I'm like, well, they won't let me do that. Well, they're not going to, you know, we can't just make new characters. And they were on board the whole time. And so it's just been continuing like that. Uh, we we've, we've got a really great relationship where they trust me with with Dreamfinder and Figment, which is kind of surreal and right. wonderful.
2: Yeah. So as a fan of uh, Disney properties myself yeah. and Figment, and all of us as well. Sure. Is there a lot of talk coming from the fans asking asking for your input for a new attraction that yeah. I've got? Yeah. Course, I thought Yeah, I mean
4: that's almost constantly they're asking, me, well, wouldn't it be great if they refurbished the attraction or used some of the material from the comics to enrich with new characters on the attraction? That I mean, Disney's the biggest entertainment company on earth. Right. It's such a huge multi-tiered system. I have no you I have, have no horse say. in this race, right, yeah. I have no say whatsoever. Would I be thrilled? I would be blown right. away. It would be you know, unbelievable to, to see it changed and affected by what I've come up with, but I have no delusions of grandeur about that or assumptions, right. and I haven't heard anything on that front. Uh, Tony Baxter and I uh, hung out at D23, and we did a signing together, and he expressed, you know, he wrote the intro to the collection uh, for the first one, and he said how much everyone internally really likes the book, and that, you know, it it was such a good response to the point that it moved up the chain, and a bunch of people have seen it. I don't know what that means. I have no idea what, (laughs) like, that all sounds wonderful, and obviously they liked it enough that we did a sequel, but I have no idea, ripple-wise, how how far it goes across the pond, you know? And so I try not to be, uh, you know, I try not to worry about it. You just gotta make the best story you can, and that's really my priority.
2: So, coming December, Image Comics is going to drop your Wayward 1 for a dollar, correct? Yes, that's All right. right. Yeah. So, what should fans know that aren't familiar with Wayward? Okay. What they, what Wayward's
4: totally different than Figment. <laughs> right. Just to let you know. Just a, I don't want anyone being like, I love Figment. Man, I hope it's another joyous, uplifting. It is uh, adventurous and, and action packed, but it's a mature reader's book. It's a creator owned series that I do at Image. It's a, The best way to describe it is a bit like Buffy in Japan. Okay. So, teenagers find Japanese mythological monsters on the streets of Tokyo. Um, It's about a, specifically the first book is about a girl named Rory Lane. She's a half Japanese girl moving to Japan to be with her estranged mother and she gets pulled into this supernatural sort of mystery conspiracy and we get to use a lot of the the traditional kind of Japanese myths and monsters, update them for the modern world and inject them in Tokyo and it's been a ton of fun. Um, My co-creator Steve, he lives in Japan, he lives in Tokyo. And so almost all the locations are real places. All the mythological stuff we're using is is real Japanese myth. And we're just sort of building on that and creating this really cool kind of modern take on it. Okay, last
2: question. Skull Kicker's Treasure hardcover's coming out next week.
4: That's right. Skull Kicker's is all wrapped up. Yep. The Treasure Trove is sort of our deluxe format. (laughs) Uh, I've got one right here. So this is our...
5: Ta-da! Show (laughs) these up.
4: So this is Treasure Trove 3. It's the final of the trilogy. It's got the last two story arcs in it. And uh, it's going to be in stores next week. We're, We're thrilled. We love the format. It's great. It's got tons and tons of extra content in the back and oh, good. it's oversized so it's even bigger than the original comics yeah we've got a deluxe wayward as well and i'm selling up a storm here my apologies <laughs> so that's also coming out and it's going to be a great like christmas item so it's okay. got all the the first 10 issues plus all of our essays on japanese mythology and a bunch of like character sketches and development work
2: and things like that okay. yeah so last thing jim uh sure. tell our listeners where they can find you uh,
4: easiest place to find me online is jimzub.com. So j-i-m-z-u-b.com. I've got you know interviews, previews. I also have a lot of tutorials on how I write comics. So scripts, pitches, uh, lots of stuff about sort of story development, uh, how to find an artist. If you're a writer, you know uh, some of the economics of working on your own books, things like that. Great, thank you, Jim.
2: So after we actually spoke to uh, Jim Zub, um, I think actually we actually split up and uh, Keith went over to the, the Hasbro panel. And it covered the Hasbro panel while Alan and I walked the the main floor. And the main floor, it's got uh, all the major exhibits. So you had like uh, it's
3: the sales floor where they hawk all the stuff. <laughs> I kept calling it a sales floor, and they were giving me a hard time about it. I was like, "Come on, that's what it is. They're selling. That's where they sell everything: comics and figurines and collectibles that looked like they were just like real live movie props that would probably set you back." several hundred dollars to buy uh so yeah it's the sales floor go ahead
2: but, but you got to be pretty impressed with it because you know if you just look at like the funko one for um the marvel and the star wars bounty like the the, the marvel box and the, the star wars box that are coming out um it's pretty impressed what they have there i mean they have the giant statues that are like four to eight feet tall Yeah. so you have to be impressed by what they put into it it's not just some guy you know trying to sell some toys you know they go all out they spend a lot of money to get their displays up right i mean they're trying to entice you to come over and look at their booth so i mean that's just not the only one there were so many out there marvels you know um had a stage as well but we didn't see anything going on there but there's so many other ones Capcom, the Capcom had yeah. one as well yep. um there were some other toy ones that you know have the toys that are coming out i forget who uh oh, the
1: sideshow booth is a sideshow amazed. yeah oh really really good <laughs> <laughs> It's expensive for um, like sideshow stuff, but but it, it, it's worth every penny. They do you know like scans and fabric studies, and uh, they do all kinds of stuff to ensure that that their stuff is uh, the absolute best. I did uh, get to sit in the uh, uh, the Hasbro um, Star Wars panel. Speaking of you know action figures and selling stuff. Um, And uh, they've got some really cool stuff that's coming out. Introduced a bunch of new, uh, the Black Series figures are doing um, a Force Awakens that's a Han Solo, which is really, really cool. Um, I posted a bunch of pics on our Facebook page and tweeted them out too. So it's like if you guys want to, you know, go and check on there for the descriptions and the specifics on everything.
2: So the big thing that we did for day one was we went to the the Star Wars Rebels press conference that they were holding there. Lo and behold, right, I guess what, ten feet in front of us, we mm-hmm. had Sarah Michelle Gellar sitting there. Um, Buffy, ta- the yeah, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yep, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Taylor Gray, mm-hmm. um, actually, Eckstein, and Dave Filoni. Dave Filoni is oh. the uh, producer, executive producer of uh, Star Wars Rebels. I love Wars. Dave
1: Filoni. He's so <laughs> awesome.
2: Yeah, that was pretty cool to be a part of that and having the ability to actually ask them questions. Sarah Michelle was only there for, um, I think, like ten minutes. 10 is minutes yeah, yeah. But uh, I'm going to play a couple questions, a couple, uh, a couple minutes of uh, the press conference just to, you know, get you guys an idea of what we heard.
6: Um, being in a booth is the greatest thing ever. It requires absolutely no hair and makeup. It doesn't even require a shower because Dave's on the other side, so it's like I mean, I don't even have to go that far. Um, it's extremely creative, it's very free, uh, they dim the lights, they, you know, you have that room. I'm one of those people that has to use my entire body when I do stuff, and so I do, I don't, I, I wield my imaginary lightsaber when I'm in there. Um, it's so weird they don't bring those to recording sessions, um, just because I have to get into the physicality of it. Um, but it's really freeing because you're just not a self-conscious, because you know that they're not seeing you look like an idiot wielding an imaginary uh, lightsaber, although I'm sure Dave Pi videotaped it many times on his iPhone, and I'm sure I'll be getting videos, but... I'm in Star Wars! I mean, like, come on! You know, I, I don't think, and I don't know if it necessarily hit me right away when I was, like, hitting everybody up for a role on it, but you know, for the rest of my life, like, I am now part of this family. I'm part of the legend, I'm part of the lore, I'm part of the story. As Ashley has proved, like, you never know where someone's gonna pop up, and that's... You know, and, and also, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm looking for some street cred. I'm tired of it being Charlotte's daddy's a Jedi and Charlotte's mom drives carpool. So, like, I'm also really hoping that I finally get some cred with the kindergarten crowd. Ezra
5: hasn't done any, like, pod racing, but I think it'd be pretty cool if you could ride along with Ezra in a pod and, and actually, like, Autopia kind of at Disneyland. I don't know if people know that, but bring something like that where you were driving a pot. That's so cool, yeah. I don't know, let that
6: happen. Um, you know, I think obviously what Clone Wars did and now Rebels is doing is it's filling in the gaps. So these characters are a part of canon. They are a part of the overall story. So I think if there's a ride or a storyline that has all of the characters and maybe takes you through multiple stories, I think it's natural that our characters would be there and be a part of the ride. Um, so that would be cool if, if they were involved in the overall storyline because it would be natural that they would be a part of it.
0: Um, so this goes both to both Taylor and Dave. Uh, based on the time, the continuity, I think the, the theory at this point is probably
4: completely crazy. But I'd love to hear what you think of the fact that there are fans who actually think that Ezra may become Kylo. It's an online theory that Ezra...
6: (laughs) To is actually that reality.
4: possible?
5: <laughs> I'm more excited about this answer than you are. <laughs> I am. It's so nice. No, it no, I mean, that would be awesome. awesome. It's amazing how people can bend anything around <laughs> to how they want reality to be, especially you over there. Okay. Um, okay. So, is that a yeah? Nah, <laughs> fan theories have never they never cease to amaze me it's you can make the most general comment and someone will show you a whiteboard analysis of how this could be true Um, the last thing I ever want to do is like be like you know no of course not because then all that work is for naught but you know don't get excited down there I mean just go, go see the movie they got fulcrum right who did? Fans, they 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 figure. Look out at you! Noise. You're on the wrong <laughs> side. No, I'm saying that. They, they, they could they could figure that out. And well, a hey, I couldn't answer anything about it, even if I wanted to. But I think that that's a pretty big stretch. And personally, I'm just gonna go out on a limb and say that's a pretty big stretch. I need to look this up now. Yeah, that'll be great. See what you've done. Now my own is against me here, <laughs> pestering me. That's pretty cool. Start a blog. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be the fire, Taylor.
3: The thing I took away from this the most was, you know, the—I mean, Dave. Obviously, he's the executive producer, so of course he's a fan. He worked, uh, I believe, worked uh, directly with George Lucas back before George Lucas hung it up. Uh, so, I mean, obviously he's a fan. But even these actors, um, you know, they—they they could very easily just be actors. This is a job. I'm getting paid. I'm doing this voice, whatever. But I—the thing I took away the most is, I mean, these guys are. They're fan they're Star Wars fans, for first and foremost, uh, who just happen to be, um, you know, really great voice actors or really great actors in general that that, you know, can provide voices for these characters in this universe that that they love just as much as as we do, just as much as if not more than we do. I mean they you know, we love it and and we watch the movies and the shows and collect the stuff, but I mean they put their they, they put their sweat and, you know, blood, sweat, and tears, as it were, into that. And and that's the thing I took away from this, is just how uh, dedicated they are to the canon that is Star Wars and, and making sure that they're not doing something that wouldn't fit the universe and, and wouldn't fit the characters necessarily. And I I really I admire that. I thought that was really cool.
2: You yeah, know, it was, it was interesting seeing... Um... First of all, seeing you at Comic Con is actually how much you actually enjoyed it. You weren't sure, like you said in the beginning, you weren't sure if you were going to what you were going to take away from Comic Con. But it is—it's if you've never been to a Comic Con before and you're worried about, you know, will I fit in? If you know, because I'm not a—I'm not a big geek. It really goes beyond that, where it's seeing—it's—it's it's seeing the passion of of what so many fans have and. and what they want to do and what they go through to show their love for a particular, I guess, uh, a franchise. Um, So it's fun. It's a real fun people watching atmosphere. I mean, because you can see so many people dressed up, so many people laughing and having a great time, even though you can't move, you know, more than three feet at a time, two feet at a time. It's just such a, it really is such a, I don't want to, it's not necessarily that it's a fun atmosphere. It's an entertaining atmosphere. Where you get to to see all this stuff happen so you know looking at that from like the day one perspective um I know we all can be in agreement that it was just entertaining it was you know it was fun seeing everybody dressed up around us
3: yeah and I mean you know fitting in isn't it was is not a it's not a it's not a problem necessarily i mean there's there's people all all it takes all kinds as as I was always taught growing up. Uh, you know, obviously, I, I'm not into Dragon Ball Z, or, you know, but there, there's a lot of people who are. I'm not into, you know, the various anime things that a lot of people are into. But I get, I get it because I'm passionate about something. Obviously, you know, Disney for me. So, you know, you're you're there, and and you understand the passion that these people have. It may be about something different than what you have passion for, but you're all the we're all the same at the core. We have, we're passionate about something. Um, that you know that that means a lot to us that maybe doesn't mean the, a lot to a lot of other people and how other people don't get it but you get there with all these other people who are passionate about what they're passionate about and you fit in I mean, everybody gets it no matter what you're into everybody gets it it's really is it's like
1: Disney parks in that pretty much like a judgment free zone I mean we see cosplay and stuff that's at, at Disney Parks. It's not really on the same tier as here, but it's just an appreciation for being a fan. It, it's nice to see that, to where it's like people are not uh, judged for how they dress or what they are a fan
2: of. It's really cool. So that wraps up the day one <coughs> at New York Comic Con. So uh, on day two, was was a little bit different uh, planned for us. We weren't spending the whole day at Comic Con uh, we actually got the opportunity to go do one of the Walks of New York tours, and the Walks of New York is, is different walking tours. That um, they different tours depending on what you want to do. Um, but the tour that we did was the behind the scenes behind the scenes of Disney on Broadway. Um, we got a, you know they, they give, we got a free tour from them. So uh, we want to thank the, the Tours Walks uh, of New York for that allowing us to do that. So um, it was really entertaining. I think it's like $72 for an adult yeah. and 65 yeah. or $60 for a kid. Um, it's a little over a two hour tour. For the tour, you really need to be somewhat of a Broadway fan. If you don't really, if you're not really a Broadway fan, I don't think you can really appreciate the tour to its full extent. So if you've seen Broadway plays, you enjoy Broadway plays, or you would like to learn more about broadway plays um it's probably a good tour to do for yourself because the first hour or so is you're doing a walking tour and you see some of the different um, theaters that the history of broadway has taken place so you're learning in the baxter of of um all about even Times square how Times square back in the day is you know new york city isn't what it was you know now and when it was a 100 years ago but Times square was really seedy at one point um, especially during the '70s, and he goes all over that, and he goes over the history of, of all the theaters. Um, and I know it was pretty neat to to see the theater where Barbara Streisand first started. You know, she got her start. As a person that does enjoy Broadway, I got a kick out of it.
1: And first of all, uh, Jeff, who uh, was our tour guide, was amazing. Uh, he was extremely knowledgeable. He uh, has worked on Broadway for years. I do enjoy the plays and the musicals, but it was more interesting for me for just the historical aspect of it. Um, you get to learn about, you know, these buildings that have stood for hundreds of years and are still there to see and, and <laughs> to hear the story about how the city has changed.
3: Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, they touched on it, and, and I would agree with Sean that if you're, if you're just a Disney... Fan, but not as much of a Broadway fan. I don't know if you would get as much enjoyment out of the first half of the tour um, because it is just there's not a lot of Disney at the beginning of Broadway, obviously. Uh, You know, it's just about the history of the city, the history of Broadway, uh, you know, coming in and out of being uh, an area for uh, adult entertainment if you will and 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 uh you know mayor giuliani getting rid of that and bringing disney in and then towards the end when you know you get to that point in the timeline which was the what early to mid 90s when when mayor giuliani did that that's when disney comes in and and that's when disney comes into the tour and that's when you get to to see the new amsterdam theater uh which is uh, you know, currently, home of Aladdin, but what started with what Lion King and uh, Mary Poppins was there. I believe Tarzan was there, even though nobody likes to talk about that. Um, <laughs> and then, obviously, Aladdin, and probably one day, everyone's favorite um, Ice Queen will probably have something there too. I'm sure that's going to happen, uh, <laughs> <any> <laughs> but sooner than we won't talk about that right now because it's still Aladdin, <laughs> still Adam Jacobs and Aladdin. Hey, go back and listen to that episode. Um, so, you know, if you're if you're not really you know, I think you could still enjoy the tour and just kind of listen oh, yeah. and then get through the first part to get to the second part that you would really love. Because uh, i tell you what, it's worth $72 oh, yeah. just to go into the New Amsterdam Theater. That is, I mean, I, I've been in...
2: Gorgeous. I mean, just yeah. amazing. Absolutely amazing. I mean, I, I've seen many Broadway plays. I actually have never been in that theater. But that's like stepping back in time, <laughs> you know, seeing... You know, you always, you always look back and, you know, many movie theaters in the past, the, it was like its grand e- experience of going to the movies and going to see a play in the New Amsterdam Theater is, it's, whatever the ticket price is, it's worth it because it is an experience. We always joke about, you know, the price of Disney. I mean, granted, you get... You know, you go spend $100 to get into the Magic Kingdom. You get 12, 16 hours a day. When you go see a play, it might cost you $150 for three hours worth of the experience. But when you step into this theater, you're 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 literally stepping back in time when that theater was built in, I think, 1903. 1903, um, yeah. You know, it's just... It's it's awe-inspiring. That's really all I can say. You know, it's just... You, you take a step back, and, and you're seeing history right in front of your eyes.
1: Yeah, and, and Disney... Was it theater league? I think was involved too, but but man, they restored this theater, gorgeous. <laughs> Which of course you would you know expect that uh, uh, from Disney. But the theater is gorgeous. Tour is worth what they charge for to just to get
2: to the Disney part of it. Then it culminates with the uh, the most. Imp- I don't want to say the most impressive part of it, but probably the most exciting part of the whole tour is stepping into the archive of the disney shows on broadway and that was extremely entertaining uh you learned a lot it was fun because you got to see the props from uh tarzan from beauty and the beast from uh, little mermaid uh lion king and newsies um and uh, there was one more um oh. Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins. Aida. 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 Yeah. It just it was just amazing seeing, you know, how they do certain effects. You know, I'm not really going to spoil how they do some things, but um, seeing Sebastian, you know, he was on a on a plate. You know, seeing how they they show him showing on on a plate that was that was really cool. Seeing how the the Beast, you know, he's got these incredible looking boots with um, his. Feet coming through with with uh, uh, talons on it, and but he—it's actually inside. You know, he he actually walks in a Reebok shoe, yeah. um, so it's pretty fascinating to see things like that.
1: so just to see the rose from Beauty and the Beast, or like Mary Poppins' bag and the chimney sweeps' brooms—it's um, really cool. And then you like turn around and there's a Scar's head and and just the props and masks from the. Lion King, I mean I could have spent like an hour just picking through stuff and looking at you know every small you know detail like of everything I mean because it is really cool what you know they do to make these shows real,
3: yeah, and you know not only do you get to see all these really cool archives I mean you get to you get to play with that stuff you can you can get in the bathtub that Ariel sits in you can climb up on the throne that is um. Um, King Triton, yeah, get on King Triton's throne. You can, they'll actually even, I mean, you know, I didn't obviously, I'm 6'4, but you can try on some of the costumes. Uh, they have Mary Poppins' coat and hat, Um, they have the headdresses from the Lion King. You can try some of those on. Um, there is actually a picture of that. Uh, I think I had the zebra hat on and uh sean or keith was wore rafiki's Not hat Rafiki. yeah. and then uh so that means keith actually wore the uh i guess it was probably nala's headdress right was it nala's or at least it was a female lion i don't know if it was because they wouldn't let you touch scars mask because yeah. that obviously it's a you know it's, it's actually it's an animatronic yet yeah, it actually it's motorized uh but you still got to see it so you got to and, and there were um a couple of uh uh like young girls that were in the group with us and they were trying on some of the like fish costumes and stuff from uh, The Little Mermaid and and I mean it's just really cool. You can hands on with this stuff, which is a really great experience and then though, in the fact that it's Disney just made it an even cooler experience. And uh, you know, I was gonna say earlier, you know, just quick touch back on, on the New Amsterdam I and mean, I've I've been on I've been to Broadway shows, you know, in various theaters, not as many as Sean, but on a few I've seen plays in London, uh, you know, in historical West End uh, theater houses. And I've been to the El Capitan in Los Angeles that Disney also owns and has beautifully restored. I have seen some some really beautiful theaters in my life, and and this this one takes the cake. Uh, And it's cheaper than uh, going to see a show, so you get to see it. And you actually get to, you know, admire it and, and walk through it instead of just sitting in... And, of course, you should go see Aladdin, too, from what I hear. It's an amazing show, so you should still go see it, even though you should also do this tour. And I'm saying that because they let us do the tour for free, by the way.
2: (laughs) So after that, um, Alan wanted to take a little walkabout.
3: (coughs) Yeah, a little walkabout.
2: I think it was like a 30-block walkabout, but that that was fine.
3: (laughs) I wanted to go to La Durée. Uh, I honeymooned in Paris, and uh, my wife loves uh, the, the macarons from La Dure in Paris. And they have two La Durée in New York City. And so I wanted to go up there and get some to take home for her. It was a heck of a walk, but it was worth it.
2: Yeah, they are pretty good. I was really yeah, shocked at it. They were really good. <laughs> um, the the salted caram. Whoa. Oh my um, uh, sorry, people. We're literally <laughs> we're driving. driving. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> And the, the salted caramel was just phenomenal. Yeah. It was so tasty. It wasn't too sweet. You could definitely taste the caramel. A little little hint of salt in it. I have really good, chewy, soft and chewy. So um, I'm a, I'm a believer.
1: Yeah, the walk for like the first part of it was good, and then I started the awful thoughts about like Alan for, <laughs> for like the second half of the walk. But then when I tasted. That salted caramel macaron, oh my lord, it was worth every step.
3: I bought the macarons to make up for the fact that we had to walk 18 <laughs> miles or whatever it was. And that's not a small feat. An individual macaron is like $2.80 a, uh, I think, or something or similar to that, it's two eighty or two forty. So I bought macarons uh, to take home, but also for us to snack on. Um,
2: they lasted about 8 seconds. Yeah. yeah, they, yeah. Of course, that's because
3: we skipped breakfast, which was not my idea.
2: Yeah, sorry. Well, you know it happens. You have to get into the city after the day before. It took us forever to get in. We needed to get in as quick as possible. So, yeah, we um, but we did also get to go to um, the M M&M and M store, which is uh, not Disney. But we also made it. it into the Disney store too, um, and that was nice. The store, I like the way you know it's set up, and especially going up the, the escalators upstairs at the second floor. I, I enjoyed seeing the lanterns. It was almost it's almost as if um, uh, Tangled, Tangled, like this yeah. the scene from Tangled that way. So I enjoyed seeing that. I do have to say, though,
1: it is that the Disney Store in Times Square did not have a single vinyl
2: in the entire store. No, they did. They did in the front. No, oh, we're fighting no, now. They had, they did yes, that. they did. They had vinyl in the front by Aladdin, the Aladdin stuff. They didn't have
1: Point Counterpoint, the NYC specific one. Well, you didn't say
2: that. You did not say that. You said they had, did not have a single Vinylmation in the entire store, which is a, a lie.
3: All right, ladies, let's move on. <laughs> because
1: cause that store is the only one that you can get those in, and they were
2: completely out of them. But you have to spend $250 or more, probably.
3: Yeah. All right, moving on. So, yeah, we got to see the Disney store in Times Square. Did you actually have something productive to talk about the Disney Store, Keith, or are we moving on? Uh, Or are we just gonna continue to argue over? Hey, look, there's a dead deer next to the highway. Nice. (laughs) Uh, Anywho, uh, so yeah, uh, and then after that, we, you know, we we went over to Comic Con for a couple hours. Uh, We didn't really have anything necessarily planned out because of the tour. There was an agent. uh, Was it agent of Shield? Yeah, there was an agent of Shield panel today but because we had the tour this morning we knew we weren't going to get wristbands for it so we really didn't have any specific reason for heading over to comic-con other than we wanted to get more footage um for the show you know more cosplay stuff so we went over there for a couple hours and saw some really great cosplay stuff and uh and now here we are Uh, so that wrapped up day two and day three is tomorrow hello and welcome to
2: day three of comic-con 2015 new york city Today we tried to get into some panel. Well, at least get wristbands for some panels for later on in the day, but it just didn't happen. We once again we hit traffic going into the Lincoln Tunnel, which caused us to get to the Comic Con. I think it was like 45 minutes late, something like that. So unfortunately, we we're, were not able to make any of those panels. Even later on, we wanted to get into the Disney Books panel, Disney Publishing yeah. panel, I think, right, which was mostly Star Wars books. It was all about Star Wars books. And we had assumed that we would be able to get in there. It was like, I think it was like twelve fifteen. We got there like ten fifteen minutes early. We assumed that we'd be able to get in there, but it just didn't happen.
1: Well, well, and I think that we kind of overestimated uh, the popularity of, of Star Wars books. Um, underestimated. Underestimated, yeah. Um, because, I mean, you know, there was a huge, uh, huge... Of people that you know, are waiting for that, which I guess is good. Um, that you know, people are still interested in stuff like in books and reading, and not just you know waiting until
2: the movies are out, like I do. So that's cool.
3: Yay for literacy! Hey.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so beyond that, one of the one of the things that we did was go down to Artist Alley and wanted to try to get a couple interviews with. Uh, some artists that we didn't get a chance to the other day and one of them was james Silvani, i believe was it? Yep. james Silvani, right uh he did the darkwing duck comic book series um which was a couple a few, several years ago um we got to talk to a real nice guy uh, i'm gonna play the interview now for you guys we we're talking with artists uh who's responsible for bringing darkwing duck back to the comics. Well, to the comics, but, uh, James Silvani, so thank you for taking some time with us today. Not a problem. All right. With Disney Afternoons being such a big part of a generation of children, what was it like bringing those iconic characters into the comic? Uh, I, it felt like a really great honor,
0: actually. Um, I, I've always been a big Duck fan, as it was. I mean, my first comics were the Karl Barks Uncle Scrooge comics, and that got me into DuckTales, which was a real big real big thing for me to see all those stories brought to life and then to be able to
5: be a part of that in some
0: way with darkwing duck i mean it was i I, I couldn't be happier i couldn't ask for a better job um
2: the Definitely dangerous edition brings almost all the comics to a beautiful hardcover book was it was it weird revisiting all the art you had drawn so many years ago not at all i was i welcomed the opportunity because there uh
0: when i first started the book I didn't have any model sheets to work off of. it was all kind of done with screenshots and memory, pretty much, and uh, when, I, when I got to go back to it, uh, I, I kind of feel like uh, I understand George Lucas a little better now Okay. in going back and doing the special editions, because there's things you just don't have time for, yeah, things you, you, you don't have the, the money or the reference for, and now that I got to go back and do it, I said, hey, this is great, now I can now I could put my stamp on a, on an edition I'm truly proud of. Did you spend a lot more time on that edition? You know? Um, as far as, no, because it was more just fixes. So I didn't have to do a lot of layouts. I mean, there were some pages that I started from scratch, which okay. were, I obviously put a lot more time into. Uh, it, it, a monthly book is a grind. So you don't always have time to do the the, the exact things you want to do. But yes, I was, I was happy to go back and make those changes and spend as much time as I could on it, so.
2: Now, when you look back at your old art, like, can you get back into that place and time when you started working on that particular project? Do you remember, like, what what inspired you at that moment? Yeah, yeah, I, I actually
0: uh, a lot of good memories because it was my, it was a, a nice opportunity to get back into comics. I hadn't been to, I hadn't done comics in twenty years. Wow! Uh, my, my first job out of college was working on Animaniacs right, comics yeah. for DC at the time, and, and this was a nice,
2: a, a good time of my life to go back into revisit. So. Perfect. Um, your new project, draw, draw a Source, helps teach kids how to draw dinosaurs from sticks to full illustrations. Tell us a little bit more about that project.
0: Uh, this was uh, came about when uh, Random House came to me and said, "Hey, do you want to do a how to draw book?" And what, what do you want to do? And I said, "Well, there's never been a great how to draw dinosaurs book. Uh, not the kind of one I wanted to read as a kid." Great. Right? And uh, when I got that opportunity, I, I jumped on it. And I, I thought somebody else was going to be writing it. And, they let me have part lunch of the writing so oh that's good yeah it was uh, I was very grateful for the opportunity and I hope uh, I hope I get to do more awesome uh, can you tell the listeners where they can find you uh, find me at uh, sylvaniart.com and that has links to my Tumblr Instagram uh, Facebook and
2: uh, Twitter cool yeah. thanks for taking time with. so he was an extremely nice guy he was a Disney fan as well so it was a lot of fun talking with him it's
1: nice to see the same way uh, with Jim Sub I mean these people who you know um, create these comic books and stories are true like, Disney fans too. So it's really cool to just to uh, talk with them about like Disney and parks and stuff and attractions and 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 not just focus on the comic books.
2: Next, we briefly—well, I wouldn't say briefly—we did. We spoke to uh, Ian Liano, um, who you probably would know from I think T Fury T-shirts. Yeah, he does like. Uh-huh. Uh, Disney Marvel-inspired inspired t-shirts, one of the designs he did was, uh, if you're... This many of you know, the the three ghosts, the three ghosts in uh, the Haunted Mansion. He did a, uh, a version of Obi-Wan, Yoda, and Anakin Skywalker t-shirt uh, with uh, Darth Maul as the background, with uh, the face of Darth Maul as, like, wallpaper in the background. Uh, so he designed that. So we spoke to him briefly, um, and his wife Tammy as well, who are both... Huge big Disney fans. Uh, we didn't record a conversation with them. We're hoping to have a interview with them later on. But it was a lot of fun talking to them because they really are true Disney fans. I mean, they they stayed at the Polly earlier this year. They went to Disneyland Power So it was fun to talk to somebody um, on the same level as us. You know, that enjoys so more his wife Tammy that really enjoys it. I know Alan. You spent a lot of time talking to her.
3: Yeah, she was a huge Disney fan. Uh, when you guys were over there talking about his t-shirts and his work there which was amazing you know her and I stood there and uh, we talked about trips to Disney and Disney Vacation Club and and just uh, you know all sorts of things like that and plus turns out they're from uh, North Carolina which obviously as you guys know I'm also from North Carolina so it was fun that we have that in common and we talked about craft beer for a little bit too because we're both from a from a great craft beer state but yeah she was a huge Disney fan and you know was asking me questions and you know I was asking her questions it was just fun to share memories and, and share tips and tricks for uh, you know best places to go and that sort of thing i'm looking forward to uh, getting both of them actually on the show in the future so we can talk disney uh, and you guys can listen along with that when we uh, hopefully get that uh, planned out
1: yeah the funny part is is that i bought that shirt the haunted mansion shirt was online probably like a year ago and uh, i never knew the artist it was just you know one of those That's where it's up for like 24 hours and you can stop and buy it. And then uh, we had met up a couple of friends from the show, Dan and Justine, and he was actually showed us that shirt and said that the artist was over there. And so I was all, you know, excited and we went and stopped over there. And yeah, just a really nice couple and who are humongous uh, fans of the parks, especially.
2: Yeah, so I just want to give a shout out to Dan Dan and Justine for meeting up with us. And um, also Jamie, uh, Jamie Green, uh, who's RoarBots on uh, Twitter. You know, thanks for meeting up as we we appreciate that. He's got a podcast. I can't remember the name at the moment, but it's a great, beautiful podcast. Um, So thanks for meeting up with us. We had fun talking with everybody.
3: And then uh, uh, at NJ underscore tree was uh, Dan and... At Justine Gar it is Justine J U S T I N E G A R. Off the top of my head, I think that's right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but go back and uh, look it up. Look it up on Twitter. We were interacting with them, trying to meet up with them, so you can find their Twitter handles there.
2: And then pretty much the rest of the day, we just spent time trying to get photos and videos of cosplayers. So if you're following us on Instagram, you probably saw a lot of photos come across uh, your stream. With all the all the uh, the people that we interacted with, uh, all the Disney cosplayers, um, you know, from uh, Disney princesses to Marvel, Star Wars, you know, everything under the Disney umbrella. So we spent a lot of time doing doing just that. Um, I put a video together. I'll put it in the show notes of the Disney cosplayers. So if you guys want to check that out, you know, that would be you know cool to see what we actually saw.
1: It's really cool to see how fans interpret the characters and costumes and stuff. But we saw. A ton of things, from like Sean said, you know, stormtroopers in suits to Two Face uh, was matched up with Jafar. I mean, the possibilities are endless, really. And and uh, the fans really came through and put in a ton of work on these costumes and outfit. It's amazing to just to see, you know, what they do with it.
3: Yeah, there's a there's a lot of dedication out there in the cosplay world. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I touched on that a little bit uh, from one of the from the earlier days when we recorded uh, About day one and two so I won't go over that again, but just a lot of dedication to walk around an extremely packed building with you know Dr. Octopus arms sticking off your back or giant, you know fake swords or fake guns, I mean just insane amount of dedication that uh, it's not my thing, but I admire those that are into it that really put forth a ton of effort.
2: Well, look at the guy who was dressed as Groot. He was, I don't know how tall he was. Oh, he was pretty yeah. tall. And he was taking like one-foot steps because he had to be careful not to fall over, you know. So, I mean, that's pretty impressive. I don't know if I can walk through the convention floor in um, in that getup. There's just no way I would be able to do it. So, you know, that just, that just takes a lot. and It was just so packed. It was so hard to move. So, I don't know how these people were doing it. So that's pretty much, you know, the wrap-up for what we saw. I know it wasn't a very exciting third day for us, but uh, overall, I mean, for us, it was just fun to be together, you know, for this amount of time. You know, from yesterday going to get uh, the macarons, and then, you know, what we didn't say was that we still get an Uber back, and, <laughs> you know, stuffing three three guys that aren't exactly small in the back of a Honda Civic, that was a pretty exciting ride for 20 minutes. I think so, it was an Accord, A Honda Accord, all
1: right. <laughs>
3: But still. Yeah, because those are so much roomier than the sevens. <laughs> You've been to the circus when all the clowns get in the car, yeah. and you just, yeah, that was this. Just, wow. How did those guys fit in there?
2: Yeah, when we opened the door to get out, I just literally <laughs> fell out.
3: You know, I was the last
2: one in, so that wasn't easy.
3: It's like those refrigerated biscuits you get at the grocery store, and they just kind of pop. Yeah, that's what happened.
1: Yeah. It's like when uh, uh, when Hero tried to shove a uh, uh, Baymax in that suit. It was kind of like that. It's like the you shoved on one end and the other end kind of popped out.
2: So. Right. It was crazy. So, I mean, that's you know that's pretty much the recap. I don't know. I don't have much, too much else to say about it. Just that, uh, you know, it's fun and exciting. If you've never been to a Comic-Con, you ever worried about going to Comic-Con, I don't know if I would do, if you've never gone before, I don't know if I would do four days, maybe just try it out for a day just to, to see what it's like just because it's, it's not easy getting around. Just the amount of people there are. It's, just, it's hard to see like there's you know people selling things all over the place or just things on display there's people up your up your butt the whole time so you don't have that ability to just take your time and see everything
1: yeah i mean i would start like with like smaller shows um wizard world's pretty popular um but i mean you know um, there are a ton of you know of smaller ones that can showcase you know artists and local artists a lot too so I would start with the smaller ones um, because I guess that Alan can speak on this a lot more uh, than I can but um, I think that being a first timer at such a big show would kind of be like shell shock.
3: yeah it was overwhelming Uh, I still enjoyed it so I I don't know if you have the opportunity to go to a big one I would say go for it simply because you know if I never go to another comic-con again which is you know possible I can (laughs) only because there's so much and and it's tough to get up here from you know I mean I had to try to fly up here and it's not easy for me to go to a big comic-con because they don't have a big one in North Carolina really um but you know if, if this is the only con I ever go to at least I can say I went to one of the big ones um so I wouldn't necessarily you know, recommend that you avoid a big one, but uh, Keith is right. Where if you're a little bit uh, hesitant and there is a small convention, you know, near you, definitely go check it out for a day or two and and give it a whirl and, and just see what it's all about. I mean, it it was a fun experience, even though I'm not really a, a comic book guy for the most part. I still had a great time. It's still a lot of fun walking around, seeing all the sights, seeing all the people, seeing all the booths, and and just. I mean, everybody was, everybody was really cool too. All the cosplayers, you know, they're, they're trying to do their thing. Uh, and you know, you, you just, Hey, can I get a picture? And they're, they're all real happy about, you know, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Uh, and you know, it's just, it's a really cool environment to be a part of.
2: Yeah, it is. Um, there's not much else to say beyond that, but, uh, you know, I enjoyed spending the last three plus days with you guys. So thanks for coming up. It's been a lot of fun. Um. Hopefully we can do something sort of like this again, maybe D twenty three or Destination D if they do that. That would be a lot of fun to get together, you know, somewhere closest to the parks, so we can actually do what we talk about, you know, every week. So um, that would be a lot of fun for me.
1: This was really neat. I mean, all of us, you know, talk online and through our phones and stuff like every day, but it's it's really cool to have us all here and to share these experiences with, you know, each other, um, as well as our, our fans. So, um, it, this was a trip that, you know, will go down in Tiki talk history, I guess.
3: Yeah. I mean, it was, it was great, obviously to, to get together with the guys for the first time. And, uh, you know, I've met Keith, Keith's met Sean, but i never met Sean. And so this was a good chance, first time for us all to get together and obviously that was great. I mean that that's the that was the best part of it. You know, even though the con was great, it would have been fun if we'd just been hanging out at a bar drinking beer or whatever. That it would have been, you know, not for four days because we're not drunks. But mornings uh, <laughs> would have been better. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, I'd be a whole lot more entertained. But it was great to get together, obviously, and and I'm glad we got a chance to do that. And, and hopefully we'll have more opportunities in the future to to do that. And you know, I was glad we got to meet some listeners uh, and some fellow podcasters. You know, it's podcasting to us. You know, we're all one big happy family. You know, we we like meeting other podcasters and trying to work with them, maybe in the future. And uh, you know, it was just great to meet listeners, and, and that's still really cool. To uh, Janine was like, "Hey, I recognize your voices," and that was kind of cool. Like someone recognized my voice that is not you know a family member or a friend, um, but we're our friends because you're our listeners. But anyway, enough of that sappy stuff. Uh, we had a great time so that is going to do it live quote unquote from New York Comic Con 2015 I'm Alan I'm
1: Sean I'm Keith
3: and this has been the Enchanted Tiki Talk Podcast Aloha